0: Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, more than just a thank you. Truly, honoring America's heroes involves more than just a pat on the back for Veterans Day. Also this morning, expanding the reach of Veterans Day. Why it's important to also remember military families who make their own personal sacrifices to support a loved one's service. In our Throwback Thursday segment this morning, military journalist and author Tanya Bianch shares the stories of women who serve their country in her best-selling book, Undaunted. And in today's community and business spotlight, the United Way of Hancock County is in the final weeks of their annual fundraising campaign, Where Does All That Money Go? This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, November 11th, 2021. Today is Veterans Day, of course, as you know. In addition to that, today is Air Day. If there's something we should honor and celebrate the fact that we have, it's Air. I mean, think about it. That's, that deserves its own day for sure. Uh, it is Death and Duty Day, National Metal Day. It is Sunday Day, Sunday, not the day of the week, because today is not Sunday, But it's Sunday day today, meaning the ice cream Sunday, Sunday day, origami day. And it is singles day today. So other reasons to celebrate. But first and foremost, among those, of course, Veterans Day, Happy Veterans Day. Big salute to all who have served. This is maybe the most interesting story of the day that I saw on the newswire. So we'll start off with this. We could be in for a baby boom very soon. Uh, Yesterday, Robert Ohms, an analyst for Bank of America, reported that birth rates are up. More pregnancy tests are being sold and more couples say they are trying to have a baby. Uh, Data from Nielsen and Bank of America show that sales of pregnancy tests are up by an average of 13% year over year since june of last year 13 percent. it suggests that pandemic it says the pandemic era decline in births could be reversed which probably makes sense because over the course of the past nine months what better things have you had to do <laughs> uh, and the reason why by the way just as a sidebar on this the reason why a Bank of America analyst is looking into this is because a baby boom would suggest that it would uh, trigger a boom in sales for big box retailers like Target, Walmart, Costco, as new parents shop for all of the things that they will need, cribs and strollers and car seats and diapers and formula and all those things have a big economic impact, so It may very well be in for a baby boom as soon. How about that? Uh, Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Here is the latest thing that we need to be worried about. We always have to have something to be worried about. And this is what we are wringing our hands over today. Companies across the world, including here in the U.S., are facing a shortage of empty plastic bottles. Empty plastic bottles is the latest thing that we have a shortage of. Some governments, such as those in California, Washington state, have mandatory recycled content quotas for some items. And major companies, many of them have voluntary targets as well. So producers are having a tough time getting their hands on enough previously used plastic In the U.S., the problem is especially severe due to low recycling rates. Only about 30% of plastic bottles are recycled in this country. Uh, Compare that to the European average of nearly 66%. So, wow, only recycling like 3 in 10 plastic bottles. And over in Europe, it's 2 out of 3. As demand increases, the prices of recycled plastic rose above the price of virgin plastic around 18 months ago and in the u.s food grade recycled plastic container plastic known as pet is now a dollar a pound up from 64 cents earlier last year recycled plastic being sought by numerous industries including even the fashion industry so it's not just companies that put things into containers that are looking for this very interesting So that's what we're worried about today, because you always have to have something to be worried about. Have to bring this up because I saw it on the Newswire. Florida woman by the name of Alyssa Clark has run her way into the Guinness Book of World Records. She decided to run the distance of a marathon, the distance of a marathon every day during the COVID-19 lockdown. Earning a world record by running 95 marathons, basically, in 95 days. 95 marathon distances in 95 days um i there's nothing there's no reason for me to bring this up she's not she's not local she's not she's from florida um she's you know but if you run 95 marathons in 95 days i think you deserve to be mentioned i think i think that she uh ran outside when possible but she Uh, but she had to use a treadmill sometimes if it was, uh, if she was unable to to go outside. But nonetheless, she did it 95 days straight. She ended her streak after she got sick. (laughs) 96 the day. That would make me sick too. It would probably make me dead actually. But, um, I, I just felt that that deserves to be mentioned. I mean, I don't know her. She's not local. Know nothing about it, but. Felt that it was worth mentioning. McDonald's has announced its next celebrity collaboration. Uh, they have done a number of these, especially in the past year or two, collaborated with celebrities as sort of a promotional gimmick, get people talking about their menu. So, McDonald's' next celebrity collaboration is with Mariah Carey for the 12 days of free food. The Mariah menu debuts December 13th and features a select free item each day through Christmas Eve with a minimum purchase on the McDonald's mobile app. So you make a minimum purchase on the app and you are eligible for something free. Uh, You may remember last year ahead of Christmas, McDonald's had 11 days of uh, 11 days of app deals featuring iconic characters like Frosty the Snowman and Buddy the Elf and you know, favorite menu, menu items and so on. This year, it is the Mariah menu with Mariah Carey. So Mention that, and we all like free stuff. So, Speaking of fast food restaurants, Arby's is trying something new. See what you think about this. Uh, they have just announced they have bottled two limited edition, limited edition spirits based on their famous fries. And the idea is, of course, vodka made from potatoes. So why can't French fries be made into vodka? And uh, it says, though we've mastered the art of drive through fries, we wanted to take this one step further, a statement from Arby's, by making them 80 proof. <laughs> uh, this is from the company's chief marketing officer, Patrick Schwing. Uh, One spirit features cayenne, paprika, onion, and garlic to mimic mimic, uh, Arby's curly fries seasoning. The other highlights Arby's new crinkle fries and has been crafted with real kosher salt and sugar. The spirits were made via a partnership with Minneapolis-based Tattersall Distilling Company. They have also teamed up with Chef Justin Sutherland, To create Arby's menu inspired cocktails, including two signature Bloody Mary recipes, which Arby's says feature their horsey sauce and Arby's sauce and include toppers like mozzarella sticks and more. So (laughs) um, the release day for the spirits is coming up on November 18th. And uh, for more details on how to snag yourself some Arby's vodka, uh, go to arbysvodka.com. <laughs> okay then, <laughs> I will file that under the. I will file that under the category of things that we didn't know we needed, but that will probably sell out. Uh, we don't really need this. But it's not going to stop people from snapping up all that's available, I'm sure. And lastly, this morning, among the first things that you need to know today in the nation of Portugal, they have made it illegal for your boss to text you after working hours. Say what now? The Portuguese parliament passed new labor laws. Last week, with a goal of giving remote workers a healthier work-life balance. According to the new law, employers could face penalties for contacting employees outside of work hours and will be forced to pay for increased expenses as a result of working from home, including gas and electricity bills. So you work from home, and if your gas or electricity bill goes up because you're working from home... The boss has to cover it. And after the working day is done, they can't contact you. No more. Another rule being implemented includes uh, banning employers from monitoring workers at home. What was it? The uh, shoot, I don't remember the company. We had the story last week. I think it was that posted a job listing. For a remote worker, they say you can work from home, but you have to agree to let the boss drop by unannounced whenever he or she wants just to make sure that you're working. None of that in Portugal. This rule bans employers from monitoring workers at home. The country's minister of labor and social security says they consider the country to be one of the best places in the world for digital nomads and remote workers to live and they said the idea behind this new legislation, this new law, this new rule, is that they actually want want to attract more remote workers to move to Portugal. Because if you're a remote worker, you can work from pretty much anywhere, right? So they want you to come to Portugal. So I, I don't think I have ever said uh, that I wish I lived in Portugal. <laughs> but with a rule like that... You gotta think there may be people who'd like to move to Portugal. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your
1: Thursday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. The W T O L Eleven First Alert Forecast: Mostly cloudy today with afternoon showers. A high of sixty-seven. A chance of showers tonight. A low of forty. The Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway Overpass in Finley has reopened after the completion of a flood mitigation project. We spoke with Mayor Mern after the ribbon-cutting ceremony.
2: What we saw previously was because these intersections were actually lower than the storm basins in the area and then the river water, it would kind of come down to this low point and flood the intersections, making it impossible for especially safety vehicles to get across the community, which is really important in an emergency situation.
1: The intersection of East Main Cross and East Street was raised about three feet, while the Clinton Court MLK intersection was raised about four and a half feet. You can see video of the ribbon cutting and the new intersections on our website. Today is Veterans Day, and the public is invited to attend the dedication of the new Veterans Memorial in Van Buren. The memorial is located at the Village Square and is an Eagle Scout project created by a senior at Van Buren High School. Also today for Veterans Day, Chamberlain Hill Elementary in Findlay will hold a Salute to Veterans drive through Parade. Many area restaurants are also offering veterans free or discounted meals today as well. A bipartisan panel of state senators and representatives is in its final push to approve Ohio's new congressional map. The Joint Committee on Congressional Redistricting is scheduled to meet to hash out compromises on new U.S. House boundaries. States are required to redraw congressional maps every 10 years to reflect updated U.S. census figures. Due to lagging population, Ohio is losing one seat in the U.S. House. Lawmakers' deadline is November 30th. If Democrats and Republicans can't agree by the deadline, majority Republicans could put a four-year map in place. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. The Ohio Department of Transportation is still short several snowplow drivers as winter approaches. We're
0: not quite
3: there yet. We're maybe at about 75 to 80 percent, but we're really still feeling that CDL driver
1: shortage. ODOT District 1, which includes Hancock, Putnam and other counties, is one of the districts that still needs plow drivers. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com.
3: You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris oaks on 1330 WFIN and 955 FM.
1: On this Veterans Day,
0: we are joined this morning by Nicole Coleman of the Hancock County Veterans Service Office. Nicole, thanks very much for taking the time this morning. Thank you for your service. Happy Veterans Day and uh, all of that to you. I want to. I want to ask a question, and, and this may seem like an odd question to ask a uh, veteran on Veterans Day, but I'm wondering: Is Veterans Day more about us than it is veterans, in the sense that? Is thank you enough? I mean, a day to pat veterans on the back just seems like so such a, a simple thing when there are so many other things that we could and should be doing uh, to salute veterans. Does that make sense? It
4: does make complete sense. <clears throat> so I would say um, from a veteran's perspective, yes, it is enough, but particularly in this community, we are so blessed to have so many schools and businesses and churches and organizations that do things for us that show us Mm
0: -hmm.
4: rather than just say it. Um, And that is what provides us an opportunity to connect with other veterans and get to know them, which I think is usually what we miss the most when we come home from our time in the service is Mm -hmm. that camaraderie that we felt, you know, with, with people who we had shared experiences with. Um, So the school programs and uh, the the restaurants that do the free or the drastically discounted things, um, both of those things provide us a place to gather and to get to know one another and, uh, feel that appreciation. And particularly in the schools, it gives the opportunity to connect with the next generation of potential boys and girls that are going to serve in the military.
0: Right. Absolutely. Um, You, To that end, and and again, like we said, it is uh, the way to truly honor uh, America's uh, service members and and those heroes involves more than just a pat on the back uh, on Veterans Day. And to that end, you have a charge, you have a a challenge uh, for those both in and out of the military in the community.
4: Yeah. <clears throat> so my my charge for the veterans is to remember um, what it was like when we were in the military. We served in the most diverse and most inclusive group of people in the world. And when I was in the military, we called it the melting pot. I don't know if that's still what they call it, but, you know, diversity and inclusivity is kind of the new words. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. We had every race, religion, um, politics, you know, politics. We had it all. Right. And we were all friends. And we oftentimes didn't like things about each other, but we still were friends, and we still served together, and we still had each other's backs. And that was because we took the time to develop relationships with one another. So it wasn't, okay, let's put this group of people in this box, and I know I disagree with this piece of them, mm-hmm. so therefore I I only see what I disagree with.
0: Right, right.
4: But when you have that relationship, then it is more about... I see and know what I have in common with that person. Mm -hmm. And um, so my charge is for veterans to remember that piece and be the change that America needs right now. Develop relationships with people. And on that same note, for the non-veterans, I encourage you, when you meet a veteran, ask them to tell you one of their favorite things about their time in service because I guarantee you they have a story they're just dying to tell. <laughs> we all do. Yeah, Every single one of us do. And I never thought about that until earlier this year. I had um, a Vietnam vet tell me that no one had ever asked him about his service. Hmm. And he, ha- he has a lot of friends. Yeah, And he has a lot of family. Yeah. And no one had ever asked him. And as a result, I started talking to other veterans about that specifically, and almost all of them said the same
0: thing you know and I, so I think i, I, I think, think that is
4: people are afraid yeah i think to that is because they don't know
0: what's okay to ask exactly i i think we think as uh those who have not served we think when we ask that question that the service member, the military veteran, is going to think we are asking specifically about a combat incident or right. that that great no-no, did you ever kill anybody? Um, right. And, you know, the, the best stories are a lot of times what happened back in camp or in the barracks or even in basic training. Right. Yeah.
4: Yeah, so that is a perfect and very simple question. Tell me one of your favorite stories about your time in service.
0: Mm-hmm. And I again, these are simple things. We can do this today. We can do this any day. Uh, again, it's a, just a, a way of making this about more than just one day a year. We've got to talk about a couple of things that you have uh, coming up, uh, the Veteran Service Office uh, to uh, help veterans. And again, because on Veterans Day, we uh, honor those who have served and have transitioned or are transitioning back into civilian life. You've got a resource fair coming up uh, What this weekend, right?
4: Yes, it is this Saturday from 10 until 2. You can find the flyer on our website, which is com. It's at New Life Assembly of God, and we've got a few big things happening during that short four-hour window. One, if you feed them, they will come. So there is a a light lunch being provided. Um, Two, we have Erin Williams from the Family Resource Center who will provide um, some tips on how to be resilient. So resiliency, uh, just in a nutshell, is when something isn't going right, you know how to bounce back from that rather than let it keep you down. Um, we have William Kiefer, who is going to be there speaking. He's a retired um, Army Airborne guy, and he is an author who has written a book about that transition from the military workforce into the civilian workforce. Mm -hmm. So he's going to provide a presentation that's specific to the veterans on how to understand the differences between the two work cultures So that you can be successful and feel fulfilled—that's a um, mouthful—in the civilian workforce. And then he'll provide um, also a presentation that's specific for the employers on how to understand what that transition is like for the for the veteran, so that the employer can help the veteran have a successful transition Mm -hmm. and be you know a productive part of their workforce
0: yeah Uh, i wanted to interject with respect to the resource fair it is open not just to veterans but the general public so that uh, people can kind of get a sense of what these issues are and maybe how to help veterans again we talk about this is more than just one day this is an ongoing thing we need to do year round this is a good resource uh, you know a good way to learn um, about ways that we can help uh, those veterans
4: Absolutely, and I am really glad you said that, because that also reminds me that we are kicking off our Hidden Heroes program that day, Um, and Hidden Heroes is a program that falls under the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, which provides um, a network of supportive services for uh, veteran caregivers. So um, this is going to be a great way for military families to connect or veteran families to connect with one another and uh, support one another. Um, But, yes, we would love to have the community as a whole come to this event, um, connect with veterans. Uh, If you're, you know, an employer, come and listen uh, to the presentation. There are a lot of opportunities at this Single event to be able to show yep. veterans your support and appreciation and connect with them.
0: Again, it is Saturday from 10 to 2, New Life Assembly of God. And I notice on the website uh, there is a button to RSVP. Do people need to RSVP for that?
4: It is not required to RSVP. If you wake up that day and think, I want to come and I didn't RSVP, please still come because we did, we did plan for a little bit more than what we had RSVP'd. Okay. But we are going to check our emails and our voicemails again tomorrow at noon. So that we can add, um, if we have additional numbers, we will add those
0: as well. Uh, Also, you are participating in Wreaths Across America. Uh, We're going to talk more about that next week uh, on on how folks can get involved. But this is uh, really a nice thing, again, to uh, honor those who have served.
4: Yeah. So this is, uh, last year, we increased our number of uh, cemeteries that are participating. So, Uh, We have the Maple Grove Cemetery, Arlington Cemetery, well, Arlington, Ohio, um, Benton Ridge, and St. Michael's is joining us this year. So we have four cemeteries now that will be participating, and you actually can see um, a flyer with information on how to donate and the times of the ceremonies on our website as well. And while you're at our website, if you're a veteran today, you might want to check out the list of all of the restaurants and schools that have programs and uh free or reduced price meals going on today
0: you bet uh and lots of information about a wide variety of services that you offer uh for veterans in the community nicole coleman again with the hancock county veterans service office uh, with us this morning we've got the link up at our webpage goodmornings.net nicole thanks very much for taking the time uh certainly uh happy veterans day thank you for your service and uh, we appreciate you joining us this morning
4: Thank you so much, Chris. Have a great day.
0: Well, each year on Veterans Day, we take the time to honor and commemorate all those who have stepped up to serve their country with a lot of local and national events in appreciation for the sacrifices that they have made for our freedoms. And while that is important and very appropriate that we do that, it's not enough to do that just one day a year ken fisher is ceo of fisher house foundation a recognized expert on the issues facing our service members veterans and their families and ken you can explain better than i can why it is important to show continued support to veterans every day of the year
3: well thanks for having me for starters um it's it's important because first and foremost their transition to civilian life can be difficult and so we need to ensure that, that we make that transition as smooth as possible, especially for those who have been wounded. Um, we also need to understand that it's not just the person that you see—the person in the uniform or the person wearing the veteran hat. It's they also have a family that have also borne sacrifices and, burden, made, made, and, and burdens that, that the average American has no concept of. So to me, it's it's vital. Um, to support veterans every day of the year, quite frankly, because they've deserved it. Uh, but secondly, because they can use our help. Uh, and, and so if you're not involved in a foundation or a mission, find one. If it's not Fisher House, find another one that, that, that interests you, that you like, get to know and get to learn about the issues. And because this is one part of our society that really needs our help and they're not going to ask for it because they don't they shouldn't have to ask for it
0: yeah uh and and you touched on this a a little bit when you say uh that we need to show our continued support what does that mean i mean what are some of the things that people can do to show their support to service members and veterans year-round
3: well i can start with a simple you know gesture thank you for your service is a great place to start uh, and while that's nice, you know, we just don't feel that's enough anymore, but it is a good place to start. Um, you can volunteer, as I said before, if it's not Fisher House, it's it's another foundation or another mission, but get involved with veterans' causes and really take the time to learn about the, the issues and, and, and things that they are confronting because they are numerous. Uh, you can support a veteran-owned business. You know, find one and learn about their businesses and and support them because they learn that. And you can hire. And we've been very good at job programs. We've been very good at hiring veterans. It's been around for, there's been hundreds of programs that have been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. But we need to remember why we should hire veterans. These are, these starting out are, are, are really good men and women. They are leaders, they they work in a team concept they and they're an asset to uh, to any corporation or company that hires them so those are still places to start uh, but you know again, learn about the issues because you know we've got way too many people pointing out problems and not enough problem solvers and that that's especially true in this arena.
0: Uh, amen to that. Talk a little bit about uh, the Fisher House Foundation yourself and, and and the work that you do with uh, military families.
3: Sure. We're best known uh, for the 92 uh, comfort homes that, uh, that we have built um, for families of wounded, injured, or ill service members and veterans uh, who are receiving treatment. So, so many cases far from home. Uh, at no charge for as long as they need to be there. Um, in, since 1990, since the founding of Fisher, ha- Fisher House Foundation, these 92 houses have helped 413,000 military and veteran families save $525 million uh, in savings in lodging and travel. Um, we've gotten 17 straight A-plus ratings, which we are just very, very happy about because... Ninety three cents on every dollar goes towards building a house or Mm. or other program services, And that's important to know. Um, This is not a wasteful foundation. This is a foundation that honors every dollar that that we are fortunate enough to receive. And people need to be comfortable to know that if they donate to us, we're going to do with that money what they want us to do.
0: It is uh, truly uh, fantastic work and, again, speaks to that ongoing support that we need to provide, not just for the veterans themselves, but for uh, service members and their families. And where do we get more information?
3: You can go to our website, which is FisherHouse.org, and it will give you a variety of ways that you can get involved with us. It's uh, through our lodging, obviously, through donations. You can volunteer if there's a Fisher House near you. Uh, and in a lot of cases, there are 92 uh, around the world, really, now. Um, but um, there's... And and there's the different initiatives that we have, whether it's Hero Miles, which is donating frequent flyer miles so families can family members can go back and forth because life doesn't stop when a loved one is in the hospital. Um, and we have a hotel program that works move at... And scholarship programs. So you know we we're, we're involved in a lot of different family oriented that's important because we stay in our lane that way yeah. we're family oriented and you know with the pandemic you know finally emerging from the pandemic uh, hopefully and and so forth we need to remember that you know while it's been tough on everybody imagine being a veteran you know who's transitioning and and having a tough time
0: oh uh, no no uh, so no question
3: By all means, yeah
0: ken fisher is ceo of fisher house foundation uh, Ken, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much for having me, and happy Veterans Day.
0: Continuing our Veterans Day theme this morning, almost 20 years ago, Tanya Biank wrote a book called Army Wives, The Unwritten Code of Military Marriage. Now, Tanya Biank is a military journalist. Uh, she is a self-described Army brat. She grew up. Uh, bouncing from one military base to the other uh, with her uh, dad, I think, was uh, a military officer. She's uh, married to an army officer, and she, she wrote a book called Army Wives, The Unwritten Code of Military Marriage. It would become the basis for the Lifetime TV series, Army Wives, which was, when it was on the air, cable television's number one drama among women. Well, back in February of 2013, she published her second book, Turning attention to the lives of service women themselves and the challenges they face, both personally and professionally, from deployment to the home front, it was called Undaunted The Real Story of America's Service Women in Today's Military. And that book would go on to become a must read among many military officers. A lot of ha- high-ranking military officials put that on their must-read list for uh, the officers under their command. And uh, back in February of 2013, we spoke with Tanya Biank about that book, Undaunted. It is today's Throwback Thursday. Traditions in the military very, very strong, and that presents in and of itself some challenges for these women.
5: Yes, I, I think so. Uh, military culture and military men um, tend to be traditional, and the women that, um, that I focus on, uh, they're all very successful. They're trailblazers, and they tend to be the, the first uh, woman to hold a, a title or a position in the military. And um, in the case of uh, General Angela Salinas, um, in many cases she is the, um, the first woman that many of uh, the Marines have ever worked for.
0: There are still many in the military who see women as not necessarily equals in many respects.
5: Yes, and that um, I think that is a a recurring theme, and the Marine Corps has, uh, out of all the service branches, it's got a very strong warrior ethos. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say the most macho of the the service um, branches.
0: Despite the fact that great strides have been made by women over just the last few years, there are still significant hurdles that remain for uh, these women in their everyday professional lives.
5: I think so. I think for successful uh, service women, um, they do not want to be labeled as weak, which is a general term in the military used to uh, describe one's overall uh, performance and ability, mm-hmm. and some of these these women will underemphasize the severity of, of a medical issue. They'll, they'll delay treatment, and there are examples of that throughout uh, my book of these women really pushing them themselves to exceed the standards.
0: Yeah. What about the home front? Because, again, you also examine uh, how these unusual choices for women, still unusual choices for you know, outside the norm for most women, uh, how that impacts their personal lives.
5: It does. And, and success in the military, um, it can be bittersweet when, when you're looking at your, your personal life, you know, for men and for women. But the stakes are really high for women when you're looking at marriage and motherhood and the military mission because in the military the mission has to come first before all else and that can have a a great impact um if you have young children or if you're you're pregnant or if you're in a dual military marriage where both the husband and wife um are serving Mm -hmm. uh, one of the examples in the book is major candace o'brien who's trying to keep all the balls in the air she's Her husband's in the military. Um, She's got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. She's um, a high achiever. And it's really difficult because something has to give at some point.
0: I thought it was also fascinating the the way uh, these women try to maintain their femininity at the same time as you know, leading their uh, military careers, and especially in juggling that uh, perception that women aren't quite 100% equal in the military. That's got to be very difficult.
5: It is, it is, and it's something that service women don't, talk about much. Can one be feminine and still maintain a military bearing? And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that femininity is is, a, is about identity uh, for women. And I think that the, the women who, who get it right uh, have a, a neutral military bearing that's not overly masculine, not overly feminine. It really comes down to just being um, professional
0: i got going to ask, what, what was the most surprising thing that you discovered in doing the research and talking with these women to share their stories? What was the, the biggest thing that maybe you didn't expect to hear?
5: Well, one thing that I, I, I certainly learned was that um, women are harder on other women um, in, in the service. And that's because they are in, they're, they're in a minority, and uh, the actions of one tend to... Uh, reflect upon the group. And so um, those service women who are squared away and have high standards for themselves tend to also have very high standards um, for other women. And also, I want to note that um, seasoned service women tend to be mentors uh, to other women and uh, very, very important. And if you look at the Marine Corps, women make up only about six percent of that, of that population mm-hmm. and women can't always find a another female mentor simply because there aren't enough of them to go around
0: yeah, yeah really interesting good point uh the book is called undaunted the real story of america's service women in today's military and you have a website in conjunction with the book
5: i do it's TanyaBianc.com,
0: last name Bianc, Biank, B I A N K. And again, uh, part of our conversation from February of 2013 with military journalist and author Tanya Biank about her book, Undaunted: The Real Story of America's Service Women in Today's Military. Fascinating book. And we've got a link up for more information about the book and its author at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. <laughs>
4: We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. And we'll start out this morning with a couple of stories from merry old England, just to prove that the dumb things don't always happen in this country. It's always more fun to laugh at dumb people in other countries, so... Uh, From Great Britain, a 29-year-old man who was thrown out of a house party for getting absolutely trashed decided that he wanted some revenge for being bounced from the party. One problem, uh, the house he exacted revenge on was the wrong place. (laughs) Uh, Owen Stranigan A father of four, incidentally, was given the heave-ho from his drinking buddies. After uh, drinking way too much alcohol, he was absolutely blitzed. And uh, after wandering the street while wallowing in anger, um, he decided to give his buddies a piece of his mind. But the problem is, he was too drunk to remember where the actual party was at. (laughs) So he sidled up to a different house and attacked it throwing his uh, glass bottle against the door and demanding to be let inside. This all was about 5.15 in the morning uh, this past Saturday. According to police, two witnesses who were asleep within their home (laughs) were awakened by a rattling sound coming from the mailbox uh, on the uh, front porch. One of the uh, witnesses went to see what was going on, looked through the peephole to see the accused uh, who was screaming to be let in. The victim refused to let the unwanted guest inside and instead called police, who arrived five minutes later to find Mr. Stranigan hiding under a hedge. Uh, He has been sentenced to 200 hours of community service. I'll tell them, if I can only remember which house it was... If you can't remember which house you got thrown out of, it's probably best just to let sleeping dogs lie. But not to be outdone, a terminally ill man in the UK uh, decided to check an item off his bucket list that got him in a little hot water with the authorities. Daryl Meekham suffers from a variety of health conditions, including a terminal condition that affects the nervous system. And when he found out, he made his bucket list. And uh, among the items on his bucket list, the 55-year-old father of two said he decided to get revenge on a speed camera in his hometown of Kidderminster, Worcestershire, England. Uh, There's a speed camera, one of those things that uh, tracks you you speeding, then mails you a a ticket. He said... uh, he had been caught by the speed camera a number of times for silly things like going 35 in a 30 mile an hour zone. And he said, it always bugged me. So he put this on his bucket list on Friday. He got out of his car. He drove to where the camera was, got out of his car, mooned the camera, <laughs> and then got back into his car and drove off <laughs> within minutes within minutes six officers showed up at his home kicked down his front yard gate and handcuffed him on the ground as his wife filmed the whole thing uh i'm thinking a little overreaction there on the part of law enforcement (laughs) he said he received a blow to the head and the encounter could have could have killed him right then and there uh police simply say a 55 year old man was arrested on suspicion of public order offenses and released on bail Six officers busted down the gate and wrestled him to the ground for mooning a speed camera. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, This is a full day. Pretty bold. A Minneapolis woman uh, allegedly threatened a state trooper with a fake gun made of duct tape and tinfoil before climbing onto a bridge over an interstate with a bottle of tequila in tow. <laughs> That's a, a bold, full day right there. Here's the uh, story from the police report. State troopers uh, started following Jean Hansen's vehicle last Saturday after she was spotted driving erratically. She stopped in a closed traffic lane, exited her vehicle, and approached the trooper's squad car, allegedly telling the trooper, Officer, I'm trying to find my way out of here. Uh, As it turns out, and the officer was aware that there was an active warrant for her arrest already and asked her to sit in his squad car. She refused and tried to get back into her own vehicle. The trooper tried to pull her out of her car. That's when she grabbed something that looked like a gun and pointed it at the officer who retreated to his patrol car. Uh, Ms. Hansen then sped away in her vehicle, which was later found nearby. She was found hanging on the fence of the Paschal Street Bridge over Interstate 94, drinking from a bottle of tequila and grabbing the silver gun-shaped object in her waistband. Uh, authorities eventually got her off the bridge. She allegedly so- showed signs of impairment and admitted to taking at least six pills of diazepam before drinking the tequila. <laughs> so she was a little out of it. Uh, she was committed uh, to the hospital following an assault charge uh, she has also been charged with threats of violence, fleeing a peace officer and two counts of DWI. That is a full day <laughs> for for officers and for Ms. Hanson, who, by the way, is 70 years old, 70 years old and think she would know better. And uh, finally, in the broken news this morning, a Texas woman is in big trouble with the law and big trouble with her cousin uh, after a lottery ticket ripoff. Apparently, her cousin had asked Iris Argetta to cash in his winning $1 million scratch-off ticket in exchange for a commission of $50,000. He had bought the ticket uh, nearly a year ago and wanted to remain anonymous. He wanted to claim his prize but remain anonymous. So she agreed to, to cash in the ticket. For a, a fee of fifty thousand dollars, uh but the Nassau County District Attorney says that she faked uh, she flaked on her cousin, handing him forged paperwork, saying that he had won only twenty grand, not a million dollars. Her scheme fell apart when the lottery issued a news release saying that uh she had claimed a lump sum payment of over five hundred thirty seven thousand dollars, not the twenty grand. She gave her cousin <laughs> did did she think they weren't going to make a big deal about it that it would just be kind of on the down low? I don't know. Police have recovered more than three hundred eighteen thousand dollars of the stolen money from her bank account. The rest she apparently already spent, but she's in a little hot water with the law and with her cousin, but you know what here's the thing uh a lottery ticket is a bearer instrument if you uh have it in your possession, it's yours. And if you had a million dollar lottery ticket, would you give it to your cousin to I mean, I would not give that to anyone else to claim that I would be claiming it myself. There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news, report. you could just see that you could just see that one coming. Today's update in the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
2: Did you get a call or message that mentioned Social Security that made you feel threatened or scared? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, press you for personal information, or demand instant payment. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Don't fall for it. Hang up. Ignore them report this criminal activity to
0: oig.sa.gov at US taxpayer expense this
1: message provided by Wfin
0: and now your daily download the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives probably not a big shock that Americans have a rather dismal opinion of Facebook this is according to a new poll from CNN found that 76 percent of Americans believe that the social media giant is making our society worse. 76% only 11% believe that it's making it making society better. 13% in this poll say they don't believe Facebook has an effect either way. Uh interestingly, that was true even of frequent Facebook users. 70% of them uh 70% of of people who use Facebook frequently uh say that it harms US society. Now maybe that's a perception that oh it doesn't hurt me personally but society as a whole. You know we project that into uh, others but don't think that it hurts us. But maybe it just demonstrates this addiction that we have to social media these days. Um, There was uh, less consensus on whether Facebook itself is mostly to blame. 55% say the way some people use Facebook is more at fault than Facebook itself. Uh, 45% said it's due to the way the platform is run. Just under half, which is kind of interesting. Maybe it's splitting hairs. I don't know. 49% said they know someone they believe was persuaded to believe in a conspiracy theory because of content on Facebook. 54% of Americans who use Facebook at least several times a month say it has suggested posts to them that they found to be objectionable. And more than half, 53%, said that the federal government should increase its regulation of Facebook. Just 11% said government should decrease its regulation. And about one third, 35% say the amount of regulation shouldn't change. So that's what it uh, bot- uh, the, the bottom line in uh, all of this is. Uh, is more regulation the answer? Is changing the way Facebook is run the answer? Or is it the way we use facebook that ultimately is the problem that's the biggest question consensus on the fact that it's not good for us but why is the bigger question something to ponder
3: Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight.
0: Angela Dobosky is here from the United Way of Hancock County, where the uh, fundraising campaign is uh, well underway. Got a few weeks left to uh, get uh, all of those pledges and everything taken care of. I would imagine that one of the first things that you are asked by folks is... Number one, where does the money go? But then how do you determine what goes where? How much goes where?
2: Absolutely. So the first thing is, as you know, our mission is to improve lives of children and families in Hancock County. So uh, we use that as a framework for everything that we do. Mm -hmm. Um, As we're determining where the money goes, we're looking at things like community priorities. Um, We have over 20 programs and agencies that we help to support. So um, how does that agency meet those Um, priorities within the community, but then how how fiscally responsible are they? You know, are they doing what they say that they're going to do in the community? Um, And so so we have a trained uh, group of about 50 volunteers every year. Um, None of the staff at United Way makes those decisions. So we bring in folks from the community that are very engaged here and we say, hey, review these with us help to make sure that it's quality programming and things that we need.
0: That is part of the process that I don't think people really ever see is that you follow up with these organizations and these programs that uh, you support uh, through we the do. United Way dollars to make sure that the funds are, are being used appropriately that uh, that they're being used efficiently uh, and, and that's not that's not even a one-time process. You go back through that we, yeah. periodically we do that annually. and you also offer some assistance if there are uh, issues or concerns
2: we do. And so we have a lot of folks that are using their talents in the community to say I love digging into financials for mm-hmm. instance. And so they're able to look at the outcomes of each of the programs and say, yeah, you're you're doing a great job. Here's here's continue funding for your programming to meet the needs of our community,
0: or in the uh, you may say, here is where you can be more efficient uh, with some of these uh, funds. Absolutely, and make a greater impact. Right. So uh, it is definitely a partnership in that uh, in that respect.
2: It is, and so we have this unique position within the community as an umbrella organization. So we are looking at the whole needs of the community, where each of our partners are looking at one specific thing sure. that they do well and they take care of that need. So um, we are able through the grant process to shift our funding. Uh, Sometimes it's um, in areas that everybody knows about and they're well publicized. We have a need Mm -hmm. in our community for X, Y, or Z oftentimes, though, is for those needs that are a little less evident, but no less important to make our community stronger.
0: So one of the key aspects of that question, where do those dollars go and and how are they allocated to the various programs that you support? And again, the campaign uh, continues, uh, still a few weeks left. How are things, where do things stand now?
2: Uh, Yes, there are a few weeks left of Campaign, so there's always an opportunity for folks to get their year-end giving in. Uh, We'd love to be considered as um, an option for that. Um, Campaign, we are not at goal yet, and so uh, there's uh, a great need within our community, and if you would like to join us, you can uh, visit our website. We have some pledge forms right on our website now to make it very easy to join us electronically, or you can make a one-time donation.
0: And uh, for those uh, businesses, I know a lot of what you do is getting into uh, businesses, workplaces, and and so on uh, to uh, hold campaigns. Uh, if I have a business or a, uh, a company or what have you, and you haven't visited yet, haven't had a visit from the United Way. We'd love hard, to have a conversation. I don't imagine there's anybody that you've missed, but uh, <laughs> what is the uh, process to bring the United Way
1: you in? You know,
2: one yeah. of the things, uh, especially with newer companies in town, we try to get out there and say, hey, yeah. here's a way for you to get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, United Way is one way to give and many ways to help. Come join us. Come see. Um, so, for some companies, it's maybe even just getting involved in that grant process, or getting involved in in a smaller way through volunteerism. And then they're saying, "Yeah, we're behind you. Here we go."
0: And what are the what is the timeline? Is there a deadline you want to have the campaign wrapped up by? personally. I would have loved it wrapped up by yesterday.
2: <laughs> of course. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we do try to kind of wrap most of our AVID campaigning up by the middle of November. Okay. Um, but you know, so there, there's a quickly. lot of folks that are examining their year-end giving. Right. Tax, tax breaks being in Absolutely. 2021, they may be changing. And so. then
0: circling back to the allocation process, uh, that all begins like right away after that, doesn't it?
2: So what we try to do is right now is the, is the most frenzy time for United Way. We're yeah. raising money we're trying to determine how much campaign will come in at, and then we're trying to determine how much we have to give away so that we have that ability to- Okay, to, so
0: steps in the process Yeah, so we're there. doing that. So that, we
2: try to tell our partner agencies by the middle of December okay. uh, what our intent to fund is so that they can hit the ground running on January 1 and know what programs are supported, how much they're
0: supported at, and- wanted to bring that up because that's why it's important to get the uh, campaign uh, finalized as uh, efficiently as possible so that you can have all of those numbers to the partner agencies as they're making plans for 2022. Angela Daboski from the United Way of Hancock County. Thanks very much. Thank you. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information on all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. You can also connect with us on social media. Uh, Contact us via email. If there's something you want to share directly, there's a link there. And also sign up for our daily email newsletter. It all starts at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Representative Bob Latta will join us to talk about why he was not among the group of Republicans who voted in favor of the recently passed infrastructure bill, despite the provisions that fund much-needed projects in Ohio and elsewhere. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.